Today is the March 13th, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Steve Hogan's message is titled, The Love of God, Part 2. If you'd like to give to our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you. Our reading this morning will be out of uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. So that's Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. In perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Let's pray. Well, thank you, Lord, just for reminding us of our salvation, the, the foundation of which we stand before you, and we praise you. And, and no matter what's gone, in our lives, gone on in our lives uh, this week, we can stand on this, that we are saved by grace, and just rejoice and know that you can wash us afresh today by these words about you. Let's pray that you would help us to do that as we hear uh, Steve preach the message and uh, just um, be, again, uh, looking to you, Lord, not ourselves, as we go about our daily lives and just want to be worshipers today as we are here in our music and hearing your word and fellowship with each other, Lord, just ask that you would um, uh, change us today uh, again. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Glad you could be here today at Hope Bible Church. And it is beautiful weather out there. I tell you, cool, crisp, fresh, invigorating. I was driving here today. I had my windows open. I says, man, I got to feel this. I really did. I just love, love, thank the Lord for that. We, we look at the world and we, often my wife and I use the word crazy, a lot of crazy things, but you know the reason it's crazy is because of the evil. That's what it is, and and that's why it's imperative that we can be here today. We need hope. We need to know there's a future. We need the Bible, which tells us the truth. And there's a particular truth we're going to focus on today, and we need to be in a church family where we can be with one another, where we united and encouraged and comforted and strengthened by the fellowship we have with one another. So absolutely essential. Uh, I, I don't know how people can make without a, a, a good church. Without hope, without the Bible, without the truth, we really, really do need it. Otherwise, things do not make sense. Do not make sense. We're talking today about God's love. 
And we must do this because it is vital for our lives. It is not optional. No matter who you are, no matter what your age is, you need to know the love of God. You need to daily be satisfied, strengthened, sustained by the love of God. I've been a Christian for 50 years now, and I still need to daily experience God's love. It says in 1 John 4, you've heard me say this many times, I've come to know and have believed the love that God has for me. That should be what every one of you say with full conviction, wholeheartedness. Last week we said that God loves us. Here's a little simple review. He saves us. He forgives us. He redeems us. He adopts us into his family. He protects us. He provides for us. He he, he gives us purpose, we have fellowship with him, and he gives us his word, that is, he communicates with us. The point I'm trying to say here is that we must see the different ways that God loves us today, and we look at a number more, a number more ways that God specifically shows us that he loves us. Number one, God has loving thoughts for you. God's heart is full of love for you. And therefore, God loves you with kindness and with patience and with compassion and with forgiveness. If you really love somebody, you're going to think about that person, right? And you'll have loving thoughts for that person. How much more so is that true of God with us? Now, we understand from the Bible, Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 talk about how God chose us before the foundation of the world, which means that God has had loving thoughts for you since way back in eternity past, which is amazing. God has had loving thoughts for you that whole time. So encouraging. Psalm 139, 17 and 18 says that God has thoughts towards you that are like the sands of the sea. And so God has countless thoughts, infinite number of loving thoughts for you. And so it's important then to think of God's love for you in this way that he is continually and constantly thinking loving thoughts for you, towards you. That's the way it is. And that he always loves you like this should be wonderful, encouraging to your heart, to your soul, and should cause you then to be in awe of the Lord, to fear him, and then to worship him and love him with all your heart and soul. Number two, God shepherds you. We know the verse, Psalm 23, 1. Many people's favorite verse or psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. John 10, verse 10 or 11, it says, I am, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Lord is your shepherd, and he shepherds your life and your soul. He watches over you, and he cares for you. So when I say he shepherds your life, I mean your daily life, your activities, what you do, where you go. He shepherds your soul, your heart. That's what God does for you. When you're going through tough times, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when, you're, when you want to give up, and we all have struggles like this, then you need to know that the Lord is your shepherd. He is your shepherd, and he wants you to go to him, to look to him, to trust him during these times. That's what God wants you to learn. It says in Psalm 23.3, he restores my soul. All of you at time have had souls that have been roughed up, beat up, you need restoring. Always, That's a great verse. Remember that. He restores my soul. A great, great promise. A great truth. 1 Peter 2.25 says, You are continually strained like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd uh, and guardian of your souls. 
sometimes as Christians we stray and we go away from the Lord. And we all do, okay, different times. And we need to always be returning back to our shepherd. That's what God wants for us. Thirdly, God leads you. God loves you by leading you in the plans that he has for your life. God would be cruel and he would be uncaring if he left you on your own, if he let you go your own way. But he does not do that. Psalm 23, 2 and 3, he leads me beside still waters. He guides me in paths of righteousness. That's what God does. Psalm 143, 10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me in level ground. So God is the perfect leader. He knows what you are like. He knows your personality, your experiences. He knows the good and the bad. And he knows everything about you. And in his wisdom and by his power, he knows how to lead you in just the way that he wants you to go. It's by his word and it's by his Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8, I think it says the Holy Spirit is to lead us by his word, by his spirit, through people, through relationships, and through the circumstances of life, God leads you. He knows how to lead you. That verse I've said many times, man plans his way, Lord directs his steps, Proverbs 16, 9. It's good to plan your way, thinking about the Lord, but he's going to direct your steps. Sometimes he, he directs them and we don't even know what's going on. He's leading. Sometimes he directs our steps and we're a little bit stubborn. So sometimes we do just follow along, which is what God wants for us. Again, all this, this shows God's great love for you, that he leads you. But it's important then for you to want to be led to be want to be led, to ask him then to lead you in the ways that he has for you. Turn to Psalm 24. Some of my favorite verses on this, Psalm 20, uh, 25, rather, verses 4 and 5. These first few verses are some good thoughts on leading. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. 25, 4. Make me know your ways, O Lord. That's good. Make me. Make me, Lord, I gave you permission. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. That's a great prayer. Verse 5, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Psalm 32, verse 8. Great promise. 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That verse for me is, is my favorite. When I don't know what to do, my mind goes to that verse. I'll, I'll teach you. Just look to me. I will instruct you, whether it's that day or that week or that month. I'll lead you. Just wait on me. I know what I want you to do. So that we need promises like those, Psalm 25, Psalm 32. Next, God's love for you is seen in the church. One of the reasons for the church is to help you know the love that God has for you. And any, uh, one way to increase your comprehension, your understanding of God's love for you is to be involved in the church. Ephesians 3 makes this very clear. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Look at the start of verse 14. A whole set of good verses here but a, a, a few that just focus on this, this truth about God's love then needs to be seen in the church. 
Verse 14, Ephesians 3 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit and the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love. So the first part in this prayer here is that you, you yourself need to be rooted and grounded in love. And that's why we're going with this message here, and that might be the main reason. God wants you rooted and grounded in his love, end of verse 17, um, uh, then may be able to then comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The, the point is simple. Individually, personally, you will know and experience the love of God, but to really experience it in the, in the big, broad way that God wants, you have to be in a church. You have to be with other believers. And I don't mean just coming to Sundays. I mean, church, you're, you're with others. You're talking to others. You're communicating. Maybe on the phone, and maybe here on a Sunday, maybe during the week. But you're in that fellowship, and you see the love of God expressed that way. See, this church is a spiritual family, a family that is to be loving and caring. Not always perfect. We know that. In fact, I hear that a lot of people through the years is, well, that church so hypocritical. Yeah, there are hypocritical people in churches. That's the truth. That is. But we don't want to judge it that way. The church in general is to be loving and caring. It's to be a family that's devoted to one another in brotherly love. And as Christians, we need to experience the love of God through the believers. That's what's so, so important. Turn to 1 Peter chapter, two, chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter 1 and 22. I've mentioned this verse in the past. I don't, I don't know of any verse like this. But it's instructive. Since you've been having obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. The word verse love there is the Greek phileo. It's, it's a brotherly, family love. And then the next love, fervently love one another from the heart, is the agape. And so I don't want you to just think that as Christians, we agape love one another. That's true. But God wants us in conjunction with that agape love, to be sincerely love, a family love, a brotherly love, that relational love. He wants us to have that as well. Both are important in the church. God wants that because God wants you to believe and sense and feel the church is my family, and I want to be in this family that there's this love and this camaraderie, this, this unity working together. So you show the love for God. You show the love of God for others when you use your spiritual gift. Now, I'm talking, how can you love others? This is very practical, very specific. How can you love others? It might be the gift of, of serving. It might be the gift of mercy. It might be the, the gift of encouragement or the gift of giving or the gift of hospitality. It might be the gift of teaching. God wants you to use your gift, and you use your gift, and then you are loving others. You show your love to others when you're patient with them when you're kind, when you're compassionate, when you're forgiving. So many ways there. I mean, I'm just going over this so quickly today, but how can I love others? These things here. Being compassionate, being forgiving, being forbearing, all these things. Another way we experience God's love in a church is when we take communion. For taking communion, really, is, is the point there is, is so that we remember, remember then, Christ's greatest act of love for us. It says that, remember. It says, remember me. Remember how I loved you when I died for you on the cross. And so that's important. Next, the older Christians in a church are to love the younger Christians. 
spend time with them, encourage them, disciple them, help them in, in areas of need, help them in areas of growth. That's what God wants. Indeed, showing and expressing God's love towards others is a clear, it's a clear identifying mark of the church, whether it's this church or any church. That song, some of you know this from way back, 60s, they will know we are Christians by our love. You've probably heard that. That's the truth. The verse that says that is, is John 13, 35. By this all men shall know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That is, if people come in this church family setting here and they see us and they say, man, these guys really like each other. They really get along. They really love. That's important. We want to be known for our love as a church. Next, God's love for you is seeing that you can talk to him. God shows us his love and that he talks to us through his word. God, and God then uh, loves us by enabling us then to be able to talk to him. It's an amazing thing that we can talk to God. We can pray to him. If somebody says they love you but they don't listen to you or rarely listen to you, then they really don't love you. And you all understand that relationally. You're with somebody and, and you might be talking, but you can tell they're not listening to you. Because pretty soon they're trying to say what they want to say. No, love is shown. God loves us by by letting us talk to him, and he he listens to us. He lovingly listens to you, and he listens to you all the time. When you pray, he hears you, and he hears exactly what you're saying, and he knows what you're feeling. He knows what's in your heart. And it says in Romans 8 there, it says, you know, sometimes you just don't know how to pray. The Spirit helps us because... We, we're just human, we're flesh, and we can't articulate how it's going on, but, but God knows. God listens to you because he loves you. Most people on the street would probably think you're really strange if you go up to him and says, you know, I talk to God and he listens to me. He says, really? Says, Who are you? But that's the truth. It's simple. It's basic. You can talk to God and he listens to you. That is the fact. God knows that communication is necessary for your relationship with him, and he wants you then to be one like a child to his father, like a, a friend to a friend, talks to him. He wants you to be one who speaks to him, who, who is open with him, who pours out your heart, who asks him for help. All these things, all these different aspects of communication. And so God loves, loves you by listening to you and listening to everything you say. He listens with a loving heart, a patient heart, a forgiving heart, a compassionate heart. He has these feelings, these feelings of love as he listens to, and he answers your prayers. That's what he does. Psalm, excuse me, not Psalm, Daniel chapter 9, the, the, the middle part of that chapter uh, is a great prayer. It's one of, the, one of the best prayers there is in the Bible, and it's Daniel's prayer because, you know, things are in distress, and he was looking at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, hey, after 70 years, you know, you pray to me, and hey, I'm going to bring you back. And so he had been there many years himself, Daniel had, towards the end of that time, those 70 years, and he prayed, and God answered. And the, the one little line here says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. Listen and take action. And he does. I mean, again, we, the prayer is so important, and we, we just don't, I'll say, take advantage of it. We don't pray like we ought. And, and I, I've said that before. I know it's true for myself, and I, and I can't help but think that it's true for every single one of us. We'd all say, you know, I really need to pray more. Well, say that this morning and then say, Lord, help me then to take steps this week to pray more. And I'm not just saying you can get time alone someplace, but just as you go through the day, because the Bible does say that we need to pray at all times in First Thessalonians chapter 5. 
Next, God loves you by being committed to. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will, he says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. That is, God is totally, unreservedly, wholehearted, committed to you. This is important. You all understand in life how somebody's committed to you. I, I, I can't help but think that all of you have a, a friend or two or three, and, and real commitment comes from those close friends. And that means something to you. You're having a rough day, a tough time, and the person's still committed to you. That, that's, this is important, but God's number one. When God saves you, you are transferred from the kingdom of the devil to the kingdom of God, and you're not going to be transferred back. When you got saved, became a child of God. And once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God. That's just the way it is. There's no sin that you, as a true Christian, that you can commit that can cause you to lose your salvation, that can cause you then to go back into the devil's kingdom, that can cause you then to go to hell. It's just not going to happen. There are some people, some churches, some religions, and it's really sad. It's one of the saddest things there is that says you can be a true Christian, can lose your salvation, that you can go astray, that you can backslide. There's some kind of sin you can commit, and, and, and you're no longer saved. And that's just not true. I mean, what kind of love is that? What did Christ do on the cross then? How many sins did he die for? You're like, how many? Everyone but that one sin? That one is, some say, unforgivable sin. The only unforgivable sin is the one where you don't repent and put your trust in Christ. That's what it is. But people actually say that. Once you repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ and you're saved forever, you're forgiven of all your sins. I, I know some people say, well, that person's in a church and then he left and he's really done bad stuff. Well, well, maybe he's never 